Hello, Legos. You are so, so welcome to another podcast episode. And thank you so, so much for being here. So today I have a really special guest on. Her name is Jacqueline Emery, and she is a certified life coach. Jacqueline is super passionate about helping you go from surviving life to living your life on purpose. She's already helped transform the lives of hundreds of women. And Jacqueline has a really, really interesting story, um, one that I'm going to ask her about now. And um, then hopefully Jacqueline will share some tips and strategies and tools that she has learned along the way. Jacqueline, you are so welcome to our podcast Hi, Jessica. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so Um, excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Mm -hmm. You have an incredible story um, and one that I know just by sharing it is going to help um, all the listeners. So, you know, I'd love you to maybe start with uh, pre-2011, how you were feeling. You mentioned that you you found yourself stuck in a rut. If you could expand on that and, and, and tell our listeners your story, that would be great. Mm, uh, yes. So yeah, like you said, I always, I kind of like to sum it up as like surviving life. Like I like to help women, especially seem to, um, really can really identify with this, but just feeling like you're surviving life. I used to feel just exhausted all the time. I felt like, you know, I would get up in the morning just to get everything done that needed to be done. And it was like all the days kind of felt the same. And then I would go to bed to get up and do it all over again. And I was um, taking antidepressants and drinking, you know, too much alcohol to try to distract myself from my life and from my feelings. And I just felt like unhappy in my relationships. I felt unhappy in my body. Like I didn't feel good in my body. And I was raising, you know, two amazing kids, but I still felt like this lack of passion and like purpose when I woke up in the morning. And like I said, I know a lot of women can probably relate to what I'm saying, but that's what I think of as like surviving life and being stuck in a rut. It's like when you're living life on autopilot and all just seems to just keep repeating with no intentionality or passion behind it. Yeah, and I can really relate to what you said there um, about alcohol, um, Mm. because it really can be such a crutch for people and it can really keep us further away from how we're actually feeling. Um, And it's such a destructive form of numbing um, because Mm. I feel like we're all so afraid or, or we can go through phases where we're so afraid to feel what's really, really going on. So we drink to unwind or we drink to um, forget our problems um, or to distract or from loneliness or boredom. And it just takes us so further away from actually solving the problem. Oh yeah, I, I totally agree. And what you said about it, it's like, we think we're, like you said, it's like we drink to change how we feel, but the thing is we're not, right? Like we're just hiding how we feel. We still feel the same way. (laughs) We think somehow if we drink or we take, you know, medication or we do this and that, like we're changing how we feel, but we're not. We're just hiding from ourselves how we really still feel, how we actually feel. And until we can address that and turn the lights, it's like turning the light off on a dirty room, right? It doesn't clean the room up. Yeah. It's still there. Turning the light on might feel painful, but it's 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 there either way. The mess is there and those feelings are there either way. 
it's really good yeah I love that so much I haven't heard that before about turning the mm. light on that exactly sums it up for me I I, I stopped drinking alcohol a year ago and uh, that's exactly it Ooh, you turn the light on yeah it's best thing you. I've ever done but you, mm. you you do it's turning the light on that's such a great expression and it's horrific but you see everything and from then yeah. and we'll, we'll get on to that later wonderful things can happen um mm. yeah and, and one more thing bef- before we move on um sure you ha- we have problems we have feelings we, we're hiding from things and then to add to that we're getting overweight our clothes are getting really tight so it's like mm. problem upon problem I can relate mm. to that so much I was stuck in that loop for years and years yeah. I'd love I'd love for you to um share with us your turning point what happened mm. Yeah. So, you know, in turning points, a good um, way to look at it. Um, So, yeah. So like I said, I just, that's how I was feeling in my life. And then in 2011, um, things started to really change in my and my family's life. But my brother, and he was one of my best friends. Um, We were only a couple years apart and he called me and he told me, you know, I think something's wrong with me. And, you know, we were kind of the person that we would always call each other, right? When things were, <laughs> when we needed to really talk something serious. So I think something's wrong with me. And he was so young that I thought there's nothing really wrong with you, you know? And so we went and he said, Hey, can you just meet me for coffee? And I was like, sure. And so we went to sit down for coffee and we had our coffees in the middle between us. And he said, something's wrong with me. And I said, there can't be anything wrong with me. And he said, well, if I reach for that coffee, I'm going to miss it. My hand, I'm not going to be able to touch it. And so at that point, I, I thought, okay, like there is actually something wrong here. And so I said to him, like, what, what can we do? How can I help you? And so he said, well, don't tell, I don't want to like alarm anyone. So can you just help me? Just let's make appointments. And I said, of course. So I ended up taking him to a series of doctor's appointments. And I don't know if you know about ALS, but um, there isn't actually a test where they can say, oh, you have ALS. It's more, they just rule everything else out. So as the test went on and on, it was almost like it wasn't good news, right? Like the more that they crossed out, it's not this, it's not this. You know, you think, yay, I don't have this. And it was no, because it was getting closer and closer to what we did not want to hear. And so then um, I finally took him to the one doctor appointment and they just, the doctor looked at me and he said, do you want me to level with you? And I said, sure. And he said, he has ALS. He said, and I, I would guess he only has about two years to live. And for those who don't know, myself included, what is ALS? So ALS is a neurological disease. Um, so you probably, it started to kind of gain, like kind of be more well-known when they did the ice bucket challenge. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Was Corey ice. Um, because not many people even knew what ALS is or what it, what it is. Um, so it's a neurological condition. And the doctor actually told me, he said, this is one of the worst, one of the worst things we diagnose people with. Um, because there is no, at that point, there was absolutely like no treatment. It's 100% um, terminal. Like you, you will pass away from it and it's just a waiting game and it shuts down everything in your body. So it takes your voice. Like he completely lost and he played the guitar and sang. Um, so it took his voice. It takes your, all your mobility. You can't walk. You can't talk. You literally can't move. And then it, until it shuts down, even your, you can't even breathe anymore. Um, and, and the, 
and it leaves your mind completely intact. So you absolutely know what's going on. You just can't even communicate or move. Um, so it's really just a devastating, a devastating disease to watch. Um, so he, he ended up battling it for about seven years. Um, so he lasted longer, but he was very young when he got it. I think U of M said he was the youngest patient they've ever had that had it. Um, so I think that kind of played into how long it took. Um, but yeah, just watching it, it's like prolonged grief, right? It's like just, it's like seven years of grief of watching um, someone you love deteriorate and be scared. And yeah, it was quite the experience and quite the journey for all of us, for my whole family. I'm so sorry about that. How old was he when he died? And was he your older brother or younger brother? Uh, he was my older brother. We're like exactly three years and two days uh, apart. So um, when he got it, he was about 30. So um, uh, he was about 37. Yes. Yeah, so he was very young when he, when he got that. Yeah. And oh, his, I'm sorry. I was his, about 30. He was about 33 when he got it. Yep. So his story is 39. part, his story mm. is part of your mm. transformation. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's like when we go through hard things, right? Like we can always take something from them if we're, if we're ready and we're able to do that, right? Like, like we go through things that will change us, but they can change us for the good or they can change us for the bad. And I like to say that with time, but that's not always the case, like, right? There's people who stay stuck in terrible things that have happened and they stay there. Um, so it's not always that we can take transformation, but we kind of were open to it. Um, and yeah, I like to say that really is what got me into what I do today. Um, because through that time, feeling that horrible emotion is when I really started looking into First, I started looking into how to keep a body healthy. I started thinking about like, what if the doctors were saying, oh, well, this runs in families, like this could be familial. Um, we would go to like these walks and there would be brothers and sisters there that both had it. And so I, my mind, of course, um, I thought, okay, well, I'm grieving for him. And then I'm thinking, what if this happens to me? I'm thinking, what if my kids get this gene? Like, I don't know. So I started really looking into, you know, how do we keep a body healthy, right? How can we keep a healthy body healthy? In, in what ways can we do that? And the more I searched and the more I researched and I was reading every book and I was listening to everything I could and every audio. And the more I researched, the more I realized that most of everything, right? Most of our health and everything and our well-being, everything comes from how we feel, right? Like our emotional well-being plays into our health in such a huge way that I don't think people really think about that or correlate that. They think, oh, I better be careful of what I eat or what I put in my body or the medicines I take or the alcohol I drink and all of these things, but they don't really realize that one of the biggest contributors to our health is how we feel. So that was one of the first things I really started to research and realize the importance of. And then next, I started to, to look at for tools that would help me feel hard emotion. Like you talked about with drinking alcohol and how I think that one of the biggest things that keeps people from change and from being able to create the life they want and being able to create the results they want, like you said, like quitting drinking and um, losing weight and, you know, leaving a bad relationship and leaving a job they, is because people don't want to feel hard emotion. 
They're scared to feel hard emotion. They're not equipped to feel hard emotion. So as soon as we think of doing that, we're like, I don't want to feel hungry. I don't want to feel desire. I'm just going to eat, or I don't want to feel stressed out. So I have to drink this alcohol. Yeah. So the, the tools I was, I started researching and learning about was like, how can I feel this really hard, shitty emotion, right? This is in grief, one of the worst feelings that you can feel, right? Like I remember literally just like scratching my, the pain, it felt like, I'm like, this is why they call it heartache. Like my heart would literally hurt. And it's like, we're not equipped to deal with hard feelings, feelings that hurt inside of us that feel Mm. uncomfortable. So I really started researching that, like what are tools that help people to really process and feel hard emotions so that they don't carry it for the rest of their life, right? Like, Mm. How do we feel them and become better from them? And then when I really started incorporating these tools, I realized like this can be applied to every area of my life, Mm. right? Like I can apply these tools to every area of my life and literally transform any area of my life that I want to. It plays into everything. And so through that, like I said, it's like processing emotions, but also being like, I always come back to being intentional. And my program is called life in the driver's seat because it's about all about empowering women to be intentional with how they feel, right? Like we don't have to feel any certain way. Like people think, well, I just feel this way. I'm in my emotion. I'm a victim to this circumstance, or, you know, this is just how I feel. And it's like, no, it is a choice. It is, we can be intentional with how we're thinking, how we're showing up, how we feel on an everyday basis, the actions that we're taking, the results and the life that we're creating is something that we can be intentional about. And so many people are just kind of in the passenger seat of their life and they're just letting life just kind of happen to them and they're feeling how they feel like whatever comes at them and reacting to life and it's it's like there's a whole nother life that's possible for you if you learn the tools to be intentional with how you're living wow oh i love that so much i think i've got goosebumps um tell me um that is just so interesting and so inspiring and so motivating tell Mm. me um for our listeners, um, do you remember going from like not being very in tune with your emotions or maybe drinking a little bit too much or having unhealthy habits that you that you that you knew weren't serving you? Do you remember the point when you started to change and when you started to notice a change? Do you remember that? Hmm. Um, you know, it's like so many different things, right? I feel like you kind of like tackle one thing at a time. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like, I think like when I look back to things, like I keep a notebook and it, and I put all of like my past thoughts and my beliefs and things that I want to work on. And I keep track of those and I've done it for years. And so now I look back at the things that I used to struggle with and I'm like, how funny, like, I don't even think about that anymore. Or that's so far removed from who I am. But now here I have you know, all of these other things that I'm working on, but it's like how far we can really come um, from where we were, right? Like, it's like, there's always something new to work on, but yet when you look back, you're like, you can actually just really not feel that way anymore. And I think so many people don't think that's possible. They're like, well, I struggle with alcohol. I'll always struggle with alcohol. I struggle with food and I'm always going to struggle with food. Like, I remember I was very, um, I would struggle with eating a lot. Um, I was very like obsessed, hyper obsessed with like 
counting my calories and really starving myself. And then I would just binge eat and just really back and forth, like to the point where like, I couldn't go out with friends because I'm like, Oh, I can't like be around the food. It would really interfere with my life. Um, and then again, like I'd binge and go back and forth. And it's like, I had to teach myself, like you were just asking like specific things, but like tools. Like I remember when my kids used to get into the car, if we would get like fast food or something, I would, I remember specifically telling them like, you need to eat the fries first. Cause I wanted the, the French fries and I didn't want anything around me. So I'd be like, you eat the French fries first, which is so terrible, right? You want your kids to like eat the good, like, no, not that there's anything really good at fast food, but it's like, eat that first. Cause I, I didn't want it around me. And then if yeah. they didn't eat it, it was like, I would literally like pull over and find a guard. So I would get it immediately out of the car. Cause I didn't want anything around me. And it's as I used the tools to transfer, it's like on any, it sounds so, so silly, but it's like such a small thing, but I really learned how to not, not need to get all of that stuff out of my life in order to resist it. I learned to actually just be the person that doesn't want it at all. Like that's a huge change or like even drinking, like, like you think, oh, I have to white knuckle it or I, I can't go out to the bar. I can't hang out with those friends. Like I have clients who try to cut down on drinking. And so they're, they tell me, oh, well, I'm not going out to, um, I'm not going out with these friends on these, this business trip and stuff. And I'm like, no, like yeah. no change comes from that. Yeah. Or people or I have clients who are like, oh, I can't walk down the, you know, I'm avoiding the cookie aisle. I'm like, no, I want you to go out with the friends that are drinking. I want you to go down the cookie aisle with all the stuff that you love. Yeah. That is when you're going to change. It's like, it's like building muscle, right? Like when you learn the tools to like equip yourself with feeling hard emotion, that's when you get stronger. That's when real change is going to happen for you, whether that's losing weight or stopping drinking or bettering your relationship. Like all of it comes down to being able to process, feel those emotions and then move from there, like get stronger from there, not avoid everything. That is that is absolutely excellent, excellent um, advice. Tell me, do you have any like simple steps for somebody listening right now that is going through a tough time, is turning to food or alcohol or both for um, to numb things or just to forget about it? And they just feel really stuck, maybe sluggish, overweight, uncomfortable and down. What what would somebody what would somebody's first step be to to just make that first step towards feeling better. Mm. Yeah. So, wow, that's a, that's a, a, a great and heavy question. Um, cause there's so many things I want to say and so many tips there, but well, that's <sighs> great. <laughs> yeah, what, what, yeah, what a good, what a good of... problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think like basics. You know what I really feel like? Like though? the I feel very, like... the very, very first step, like the mm-hmm. very first step, like it might be to literally open up their journal and get a pen, like the yeah, very the first very step. First. I would say, I would say, I would say two things. One thing I, I feel like is to believe that. And when you said, you, you know, you we were talking about, it's like, that's what I love about being a, a life coach too, is like, people come to me for everything. They come to me for their weight and their drinking and their relationships and their jobs and their money and their stress and anxiety and like all that stuff. And like you said, it's like, it's like one thing goes into the other. Like you said, you're drinking and then your clothes aren't fitting. And it's like, and it becomes very hard to 
to be like, you know what, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to cut down on my drinking because it's all of these things compounding, right? And so that is what I love about the work I do with my clients is because it's like, it's all encompassing. Like we work on your whole life because one thing plays into the other. Like it's like how we do one thing is how we do them all. That is so true. And it's hard for people when they're so overwhelmed with all of their life to really get the motivation to say, okay, I'm going to do this one thing when the rest of their life is shit. It's very hard. So first thing I would say, and I, I just got this question on another podcast, but the first thing I, she said, if you could only tell people one thing, it's like, first thing is to believe that like change is possible for you. 100% change a better life and better results are possible for you. A lot of people think, this person can do it or, or that person has more motivation or self-discipline or, or they're, they're, it's easier for them to be thin or withhold from drinking. You know, they think that other people have this thing that they don't have and it is yeah. not true. And I can promise that because like, I've seen myself do things like just by being able to get into action, which comes from, you know, being able to change how you act, you think and show up, which drives your action. But like, I have seen such incredible change. Like in my clients, we sit there, our conversations, me and my clients are like, they're like, I can't believe the difference in my life. I can't believe the results. I'm like, I can't believe, like we both are like, <laughs> I can't believe this. That's great. But it's like, you have to believe that that's possible for you before okay. you can even get motivated. And then the other part of that, I would say, is when people don't feel good, um, and I just did a, my own podcast on this. It's like when people don't feel good, it's very hard for them to like get up and start changing their life. Um, like when people feel bad inside, like they're just tired and ugh, it, it's like hard for them. And then other people are like, I was just out with someone. They're like, yeah, I keep telling, you know, my friend, like they got to get up and like do better. They've got to get up and change their life. And it's like, well, it's very hard to tell someone, hey, get up, change your life you know, lose weight, get out of that relationship, get a better job, start making money when they don't feel good. They're like, I don't feel good. I'm barely making it through my day. And that's what I call like surviving life. So the first step, like I said, is believing, but the next step is like, how can I feel better in order to start taking action to make change? Like, what are some ways I can feel better? And that really comes from figuring out like what in my life is, you know, draining me what in my life fills me up um, and kind of like trying to audit your life for like, okay, what's draining me? What people, what activities, especially for women, I feel like we run around and like fill our time when we try to like do everything for everyone else and we're not making ourselves a priority. And then we're like numbing out with Netflix and drinking and, you know, food. And we're just exhausted doing everything for everyone else. Um, and we don't feel good. We're tired. We don't feel well enough to go make the change. So it's really auditing your life too. Like the first half of my program is about like becoming the person, right? Being happy in your current life without changing anything about it. How can I be happy today in my current life with all my baggage, everything going on? How can I become the person that's happy no, ma no matter the circumstance, Right. And then from there, once we're feeling that way, then the second half of my program is all about taking action. But so many people want to skip to that part, 
right? They're like, I want to lose weight. I want to stop drinking, but they don't feel good. <laughs> so they're trying to take all of this action and just exhausting themselves. And then they're right back where they started and they think change isn't possible for them, but it is possible. We just have to become the person and like have the feelings that drive that action instead of just trying to take the action. Oh, Jacqueline, I love that so much. I love that so much. It's such a bridge between starting um, and action. I mean, it's just such a amazing, brilliant, like first step that no one thinks of or, or not enough people oh. think of. And you're so right. That's where they get stuck because they want to go straight into action. And I love the idea of auditing. And I'm so excited to talk to you about your programs in a minute. I love mm. the idea of auditing, subtracting. What can I get rid of? What can I get rid of to help me then start taking action this way? Oh my God. Oh yes. Brilliant. You, you are so right. Like you're so right. It's like, cause most people, I think they, they want change. So they try to start adding things onto their life. Like I see my clients do this as well. They're like, Oh, I want to add in this thing. That's going to make me feel good or this new habit ever. And it's like, and I like to liken it to like, decorating a room or something. It's like, you have to take the old furniture out before you can bring all of that in. But so many people are just adding the furniture and the decorations on top of their current stuff and their current life. And it's, it's like the first thing has to be, what can we get out? So that is one of the, one of the first things we work on, right. Is like, well, first taking responsibility for our life and our results. And then it's like, yeah, like, how can we clean out? How can we declutter literally our life, which is something I think so many women struggle with. Um, and then we can add on. And I think that's why so many people fail, right? Is because they're trying to add in all of this stuff that they literally can't handle. They, they don't feel well enough to do the new stuff. They're still exhausting themselves with all of the other things in their life. So yeah. And I think you nailed it when you said like, no, you said no one really thinks about it or not enough people think about it. hundred percent. Everyone's trying to go straight to changing what their actions are and creating new results. And it's like, yes, we do have to take action and we do have to create the results that we really want to create a life that we love. But first, we need to feel good in our life today in order to become that person with the feelings that are able to create that. Wow. What um, one tip do you have for staying consistent and for your clients, staying with your program, keeping on the action steps? Because I'm guessing I know that we're we're met with a lot of negative mindsets, like all or nothing, perfectionism, like all or nothing can really hold us back where, oh my God, we're not doing every single thing right this week. So fuck it, I'm not going to even bother doing, or not, mm. not bother, but that I, I feel too negative about myself now to get back up on track again. And I think like consistency, people always think consistency is doing 100% of what they committed to, but actually consistency is doing 80% of what they committed to because 100% would be perfection and that doesn't exist. So there's all this pressure the whole time people put on themselves, women, I think in particular, that can really Mm -hmm. derail their action. So do you have any tips or have you... Could you talk about a client maybe that has gone through something? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I, and I love that. Yeah, I really feel like <clears throat> I can totally relate to what you're saying, right? I was like an all or nothing person. Like when I even like eating, like I would, I just did a, a, a post on this too, because it's so funny. It's like, I just remember 
Like if I messed up at all on my eating my perfect calories, you know, I would be like, never mind, fuck it. I'm going to eat whatever I want for the rest of the week. And I would just go, I'd be like just gorging myself. And I'd be like, well, I'll start over on Monday. Right. But then the same thing happens the next week. And you, it is that all or nothing. Or like, once I make a mistake, never mind. So I want to, and now, now it's like, I've learned the art and, and in my program, I, this, it's so important what you're talking about that I have like a whole module on this and worksheets that they do every time that happens, they, we have a worksheet that they walk through and it's like learning from what happened. Cause most people, it's like, once they do that, once they mess up, they use that to like believe something different about them. They use it as yeah. proof. They're like, yeah. oh, see, I knew it. I knew I couldn't do it. And so they use it as proof. And what happens is repeatedly that becomes our identity. We become the person that we never follow through. We always give up. And then that becomes our, our identity. And it just solidifies like, no, we can never change. So instead of looking at when we mess up as this, um, this reason to hate ourselves and put ourselves down and prove to ourselves that we're not capable of change. Like I teach my clients to actually like look forward to that, like to actually like, Oh, it's like an alarm that goes up. It's like, Ooh, this is my learning experience. So like every time we drink the alcohol that we shouldn't have drank or, you know, eat the food we shouldn't have, or we, we yell at our husband when we're trying to build a better relationship, right? Like what happened how can we, in, again, intentionally look at that and what can we take from it? So it's like, okay, what happened? I like to ask my clients, like, what were you, th- what were the thoughts that you were thinking? Right? Like, that's a huge thing to tune, tune into because your action is always preceded by a thought, whether that's, you know what, it's just one drink, you know, or whatever. I've had a hard week. Whatever it is, you think something that makes you drink that alcohol that you said you weren't going to drink or eat that thing, right? It's like, well, people are going to think I'm weird if I don't, well, it's someone's birthday, right? There's always a thought that we have that makes us do that thing that we said we weren't going to do. So instead of just being like, I hate myself, instead look at it as, okay, wow, this is an opportunity. What was I thinking? Let's really look like, what was the situation? Where was it? What was the situation? What what was I thinking? What were the thoughts that I was thinking at that time? What do I want to do differently? the next time, like, what's my plan, right? So next time I think that thought, what's something else that's going to serve me to think? Like, what's the real, what's the truth? What do I want to tell myself, right? And we make a very intentional plan from that. And it sounds so like, well, of course, or whatever. And it's like tedious or whatever. But I'm telling you, the more you do it, the mm. more you are intentional with things. And that's what, why I say it's like life in the driver's seat is about being intentional, because most of us are just going through our life like, oh, we made a mistake, eh, going to start over on Monday. But it's like being intentional to grow, right? To get better. And then those, those times that we fa- quote unquote fail become a good thing. They become something so useful to us. These obstacles become like such a tool. I did a podcast that's called using your obstacles as tools, but it's like they become something good instead of something that we turn on ourselves and blame ourselves for. What you're saying is so profound. Um, and it's so true, the, the, you know, especially the part about uh, the whole thing. I mean, taking alcohol and food, for an example, um, that you get off track and you have a drink or you 
eat food that you didn't want to eat and you think it's because you wanted to have a drink or you wanted to eat. And then the next day, using your process, you realize, actually, I didn't want to drink. I was stressed out and I wanted to relax. Mm. Like, yeah, it's just such a profound thing. And I think it's it's the simplicity of this that makes sometimes us gloss over it when actually sticking with the simple stuff and not getting distracted and going, oh, no, this this simple stuff isn't working. I'm going to go over here and try to fix my problem with a diet plan or et cetera, et cetera. Stick with the simple stuff because it's the most profound stuff. Oh, my gosh. I love that you just said that. So I because I am all about simplicity and it works if you just keep like you stick with it. It's like when you keep doing it, take the simple thing and keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And you're going to get results. But you're so right. Like people are like shiny new object, shiny. Oh, that didn't work. I'm going to try something else. And it's like, I'm telling you this work of being intentional and really looking at your thoughts and your feelings and driving your actions. It's like, it will absolutely change your life in every single area. And it's like the only thing you need. (laughs) So it's baffling, but it's like, it's the only thing you need. You just keep doing it and it will transform your life. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love simplicity. Mm -hmm. Tell tell, um, people listening about your programs and how they can get in touch and where's the best place to reach you and all that sort of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So I work one-on-one with my clients um, through a program called Life in the Driver's Seat. And so you do get, it's a program with video modules. There's over 50 videos in there that you can watch. You have lifetime access to them all going through the process um, that I just talked about. Um, Think, feel, prioritize, grow are like the, the, I guess the blocks of my program. The first part of the program is all about, um, like I said, it's about becoming the person capable of the change that you want. So the first thing we work on is like uncovering, what are you currently thinking? Like what you're thinking is your beliefs, right? Like what we think repeatedly becomes our beliefs. And then that is our identity. That is who you are. So when you look around at your life, that is due to your identity. Your identity is how you show up. It's how you think. It's how you feel. It's how you take action. It's how you see your life and all the people around you. So before we can fast forward and go change our life and create new results. Like we have to see who are we right now? Because our current life is created by what we are currently thinking and who we currently are. So we uncover like, what are these thoughts we're thinking? Like, what are these limiting beliefs? What are these, um, these thoughts that we're thinking on autopilot that we're leaving unchecked? Unconscious living is really what I think of it as. It's just unconscious living. So we really get to the root of that and we start thinking on purpose. So getting into the driver's seat means being intentional with the thoughts that we're thinking. The next part we move on to is how we feel, right? Like most people think, I just feel how I feel, or I feel this way because so-and-so did this, or because I was raised this way, or because of this, you know, boss that I hate. Like we think that our feelings are dictated by things outside of us and they are not, they are always a choice. And when we can unlock that, that's what I was talking about. Like we can learn to love our life right now And that's when we're able to become the person capable of taking new action and prioritizing, I think is such a huge, I think it's such a huge obstacle in women's life, especially is like prioritizing, like getting rid of what's not important to us and deciding what is really, what is actually important to me, not to everyone else. Like what is important to me 
and really, I call it creating a life of having it all. Like we don't have time for everything, but like we do have time for the things that are most important to us. And a life of having it all is possible. We just have to decide what it all is, right? Like, what is that? And that's what we create. So getting really intentional with our time and taking control of our time and with our boundaries and with people pleasing. I get a lot of um, clients who need help with people pleasing and setting boundaries with people is huge for women. And I would say if there's one area that I've just seen an unbelievable change in my, it's creating boundaries in their life it will set you free. And then after we're thinking on purpose and feeling on purpose and happy with our current life, and we have the time, our time's managed, then we move on to the last part of the program, which is the second half. And then I call that grow. And that's where we get very intentional and specific about what do you want your life to look like in every area? Like, what do you want your life to look like? What do you want your relationship to look like? What do you want your money situation to look like? Your career, your drinking habits, your drinking, right? Your drinking, your eating, um, your health. Like, what do you want these areas to look like? Very specifically, I think most people, again, they're in the passenger seat. They're not being intentional with that. Um, so I have them actually create a life vision. And that's when we get simple. We break it down into simple action plans and we start taking action there. Um, and then coaching, we coach one-on-one weekly. So you get the videos, but then we also coach one-on-one. And I think that's where, um, I know you were talking about, you know, how we fall off being consistent. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the number one gift of uh, uh, having a coach is that when you hit that hard, like my client, I had a client two days ago, but she was like, Jacqueline, I just, we've been working together for about six months, but she's like, Jacqueline, I just want to like put you in my head. I need, I want you to live in my head. (laughs) And I said, well, we can't do that. But the next best thing is like, we coach every week. Right. So that is kind of what you do. Like where you might fall off, you have this person that once a week you can, you know, get back into the emotion needed to keep going where most people fall off. Right. Yeah. Where you just keep getting back into the momentum every single week, right? Like you start to fall off and then it's like, you get right back in to the emotion. That's what a coach is for. I always say that's the number one thing a coach does is it gets you back into the emotion needed to keep going forward to reach the result. Because alone, we tend to like fall off, right? Like we lose our momentum and then we slowly, before you know it, years have gone by. But when you have a coach, you just keep consistently get back. You get back into that emotion needed to just keep moving forward. So, yeah. So that's kind of how I work with my clients. Oh, sounds and incredible. Sounds really yeah. incredible. And, and where would people go? I love Jack, JacquelineEmery.com? Yes. So Jacqueline with a Y. So J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-Y-N. And then Emery is E-M-E-R-Y.com. And then I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, just at Jacqueline Emery. Yeah. Great. Great. And I'll put it in the Mm -hmm. show notes so um, people can just click the link. Yeah. And I always do a free hour um, session just to give people a taste of what coaching can do. It's so awesome. And I think not enough people, they're just scared to, you know, reach out and take advantage of it. Yeah. um, So it's risk free. It's fun. We'll have a great time. Yeah. Jacqueline, thank you so much. You've been such a wonderful guest and so inspiring Mm. and so, uh, so, so motivating also. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. You were an incredible host. So oh, I'm so you. glad we got to finally connect. Thank you. Yeah, I love chatting. Wow. Oh, well, all my love to you. Have a wonderful day. Oh, Bye. I, I love to you, Jess. Bye-bye. Bye.